It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. It's time for episode 144 of Three Point Podcast and our partners again this week include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle. I'm the senior member, Ted Fattel, here in the studio with Jared Fattel, the young fella. Our middleman, Matt Burns, is on the phone from North Carolina. And guess what? We have a new president, or do we? The weekend was absolutely beautiful, except for MSU, Michigan, and Lions football. Oh, my. Hey, we'll tee it all up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends at Advanced Elevator. Advanced Elevator Company has the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with headquarters right in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and a longtime, big-time supporter of the Corona Public Schools. And speaking of the schools, Hankard Sportswear. They like to provide all kinds of great gear for the area schools and more. They're the go-to clothing and more printing business with all kinds of loyal customers. The Hankard Sportswear team prides themselves by giving a good product at a great value, 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Specialty items for family, sporting, business, and charity events, that's Hankard Sportswear. Find them on Facebook at hankard.sportswear. Well, fellas, we had football last weekend to talk about, but 
let's talk about our alma mater, the Corona Cavaliers. Uh, you know, this year with all the high schools being eligible for the playoffs, the Cavaliers are kind of taking advantage of that. 2-0 and in the playoffs, and they got a big matchup against number two Frankenmuth coming up this Friday night, a game we're going to be broadcasting. It's excitement in the air. I love watching Frankenmuth. They've notoriously, I'm not entirely positive this is what they currently run, but they've always been a big option school. And and Corona, obviously, as we know, follows basically the Tony and East school of football where they will run the option, the spread. Uh, so it's going to be a good matchup of kind of styles. But I think Corona has, honestly, a really good chance at winning this game. I, they're coming in as kind of like an underdog, it seems like. But Frankenmuth isn't exactly, you know, I don't know, like, Davison or something where they have division one athletes left and right they're a really solid program really good team they play like a little bit of a weaker schedule than I think Corona does which is a benefit that I think Corona has to them that they played a little bit of a tougher schedule sure they don't have the best record but I think they actually have a really good chance at upsetting Frankenmuth obviously you guys are more plugged in than I am but what I've read on Twitter and the few things that I've read is I mean Corona yeah they have every chance to win this game because their offense I mean they're breaking a bunch of records we've talked about that a little bit but their offense can be pretty dynamic when they want it to be right yeah. so i mean if they can get that passing game going it seems like they should be able to hang with frank and move well yeah and they've got the great one two combination i mean they got some solid players on the team but you know they start with nick steinecker who is a division one recruit you know probably going to play a tight end i'm hearing at some big division one school yeah. I mean, michigan i think still looking at him along with other schools and their quarterback jared you, you played quarterback uh, I mean, Herrick, Jaden Herrick, really coming into his own his junior year, 96-yard electrifying TD run to set a school record last week. And he's had what? I think he's had two games this year with five touchdown yeah. passes. Yeah, he's really good. He's really talented. Uh, I mean, he's still young, so this is gonna be this is gonna be his first real, real big test. A lot of pressure. Uh, you know, obviously as a junior quarterback in a big game, but he's got Nick Steineker to help him out as a great wide receiver. And I think Corona has probably, like you said, the one-two punch. But you didn't even mention, you know, Scout Jones and Porter Zeman, who exactly. are a couple of really good linebackers that they have. I mean, Corona's gonna have the best player on the field. And they got a lot of uh, three other guys who I think are really, really good as well. So we'll see what they can do. That's a big thing. Like you mentioned, Corona having the best player on the field. I mean, if, if Steinecker is he's putting up all those crazy numbers and catching a ton of TD passes, I mean, it seems like maybe that's going to be the recipe for success. Unless Frankenmuth has some like lockdown corner, yeah. or, you know, something like that. But you just keep feeding the beast, and if he's, if, you know, he's putting up those numbers, he's that good. And they're in that good of a rhythm, rhythm, and you just keep throwing it to them. If, if you know, basically the whole like mantra of like make them stop it. You know, keep doing the same thing unless in, until they can stop it. But it's funny to hear you say Jaden Herrick because it's one of those things. Like I know Ted, you're, you probably have had a, a bunch of these kind of moments through the years, <laughs> calling all these high school football games. When I played, so you know, we my, my senior year we went to the playoffs and we lost in the second round to the team that ended up winning the state title. But my head coach Steve Herrick is Jaden Herrick's dad so it's just funny to see like you know kind of like it makes you realize how old you are type of thing like my head coach's son is now the varsity starting quarterback so it's just one of those things that's really cool to see though yeah well it'll segue to me you know it's I'm not too far away from broadcasting grandkids of players that I broadcast when I first started out. So, yikes, it's, it, that's getting to be uh, hitting home right there. You know, I, you talked about when you played in the playoffs, Matt, and Jared, I know you did uh, I, as well, both years, right? Or, yeah, yep. What, what were both your guys' biggest memories from being in the playoffs playing for the Cavs? I'll start off. I, for me, like, I know this year, and the thing that I'm thinking about, and I'm, I've seen, like, videos, pictures, and stuff like that of the games at Corona, and other playoff games too, but this year's just so weird with all the COVID stuff and, you know, only a certain amount of fans and, and, you know, all those things going on right now. So I know this year's a little different, kind of like an outlier year, 
But the thing to me, talking about the biggest memory, obviously winning the games and having fun with your friends and, and having that, that one singular goal that we're all working towards, you know, that whole team environment, all that stuff is amazing and awesome. But the community aspect of it, especially we've talked about it a lot when we've talked about Corona football and, and the community of Corona. And I just remember coming out from the locker room at the football field, you know, down there, those old bathrooms where the locker room is, and coming out of that locker room, and just like seeing the stands and seeing, I mean, zero room in those grandstands. And I mean, for our, for our first and second round game, two, three, four deep around that whole fence, around the whole football field. And just like immediately getting butterflies. And I mean, I'm getting like chills right now thinking about it. Like just seeing, it was one of those things where it's like, if you live in Corona, probably even like in the Owasso area, you were at those games, you know what I mean? And like, it was just so cool to see, like, I was on the team, you know, my friends were all on the team, that the whole community is there to watch. So that's probably the coolest member to me that, that at least, you know, always sticks out. Yeah, and that's the thing that's a, a shame. The playoff games, they just feel different. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain unless you're actually, like, standing there and you have, like, a winner-go-home type mentality. But that's the thing that's kind of a shame about just COVID in general is that you know Corona would have traveled very well, like, with fans to this game on Set on Friday, and the thing that's kind of that I think this team has to kind of hold their head as high about is like in a year where everyone gets into playoffs, they've kind of shown that they were a playoff team like all together and, and potentially a district championship team. Uh, I think they definitely have the potential to do so, so it'll be fun to see. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to have a, a great atmosphere and you know, kind of narrowing down the question back to you would you say your your win at home against Flint Powers maybe was the highlight game of your playoff experience? I, or, I mean, or the country day loss because no, you're playing a big, big time school. That was definitely kind of a little bit surreal, like just growing up because I, you would go see, and it's weird because looking back, I was, it seems like, oh, we really weren't that like far off from potentially like beating them. Like they really Absolutely. weren't that much better than us. But at, when you're kind of there, and that's what I would tell this Corona team, uh, is that it, 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 even though Frankenmuth and, and Frankenmuth is obviously not Detroit Country Day, but the six and zero, the number two, like Eight. next to their title, like they might think, like, oh, like maybe we don't really have a ch- have a chance to actually beat these guys, but they definitely do. And I, just in terms of like the memory, it's definitely, I mean, district championship. That was something that we kind of circled, you know, growing up our entire life. That was what we wanted to win. And looking back, you know, I feel like we maybe could have done more, but that was kind of like, oh, like this is realistic. This is like a good goal to push to. So when we finally achieved it, it was like pretty awesome. Yeah, well, that was an exciting win for sure. You know, and I, I kind of get chills myself thinking about you guys. You had a chance to play in the playoffs, even though I didn't. I've had a lot of, lot of opportunities to broadcast playoffs and state championship games, and I'm not going to lie. I try to be as middle as the road as I can when I do a broadcast, but I'm not going to kid anybody and say I don't get a, le- a little bit extra jazzed up for the Cavaliers <laughs> yep. when they're in the playoffs. I mean, yep. there's no getting around that. So I'm really looking forward to the call Friday night. Uh, Jared, you'll be right there, Mike's side with me and Bart, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I, I know that uh, Kyle Robinson is looking forward to it, and I had a chance to catch up with him, asked him uh, to give me a little thumbnail sketch on the season. Well, when you look at the beginning of the season against Goodrich, um, you know, the score obviously was extremely lopsided, but in that game – our defense played tremendous, and uh, offensively we did not play very well, and that made us do a lot of reflection and change some things. And uh, throughout the rest of the season, that has really paid huge dividends. So we came into Clio, had a nice win, and then against Brandon, who is uh, a really, really, really good team, and uh, 
the league champs in our, our side of the FML. Played them tight, you know, just a hair more than a one-score game. And uh, our kids knew after that game that we could compete with anybody when we do our jobs and do what we're supposed to do. So reel off a couple of wins against Owasso, Lake Fenton. Lose by one score, had a bunch of things that didn't go our way against Linden, another bigger school on the other side of the uh, Metro League. And then, uh, just like everybody else in the state, you know, we started a brand new season in our first two playoff games and uh, felt that we've done some really good things starting in this postseason run playing into mid-November right now. And I also had a chance to ask him, what do the Cavaliers have to do to upset or take down the number two Eagles? What we really need to work on moving forward, whether it's this Friday or thereafter, the three biggest things we need to use against Frankenmuth is, uh, is our offensive line play. Uh, it's gotten consistently better throughout the year, and we have a really young offensive line, and a lot of uh, guys who had never started a game before, before the season, who have really matured and came out and played extremely well uh, the, the, in the latter part of the season, so we need them to come out real hot, and uh, we need to tackle extremely well against Frankenmuth. They have a really dynamic, explosive offense that does a lot of things, whether it's triple option or really spreading you out, and... Uh, trying to expose things on the perimeter. And then um, probably the most important, in our opinion, as a coaching staff is, is we can't be that team that comes out and has a few drives back and forth, whether it be on offense or defense, of feeling each other out and trying to figure out what's going on. We need to be on the attack and come out uh, you know, at level 10, as I always say, red hot, not try and get something going and then you know wait for them to respond. We need to respond first and be the aggressors right off the bat. So... That'd be the three big keys, our offensive line play, tremendous tackling against a great offense, and uh, coming out high on both sides of the ball. That includes special teams. All right, good stuff by the coach. Uh, we're going to wish the Cavaliers luck. We hope everybody tunes into that one Friday night, and uh, go Cavs. I know you guys are going to be broadcasting that on the radio. Is this going to be streamed You know, on, on one of the networks that you know you can watch it? Do you know? Uh, it is, actually. It's going to be on Pixelot. I don't know if they're going to allow us to plug in, but I'm going to check with them see if we can. So do you know what okay. the – that's the NFHS. NFHS, yep. Yep. Website that usually – if you're a Corona fan or whoever, Frankenmuth fan, that's you probably would already have a subscription to it by now. So right. that would be the same exact place you would watch it. Yeah. So you could watch it for oh. 10 bucks, but but you can definitely listen to it for free. Got to throw that out there. Well, yeah, I, I'd, I'd much rather listen to you guys call it than watch it, you know. <laughs> hear, hear how Jared's coming along as a color guy. Yeah, know? there you go. Well, he's doing fine, just a fine job. All right, let's get into, I, I hate to do it, but we got to talk a little Michigan and Michigan State. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends at Sheridan Auction Service. They always have a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Also, Nelson House Funeral Homes, their number one goal is to serve the families in our community. Their top priority is caring for friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. See them on the web at Nelson-House.com. And our favorite watering hole rivals tap house and grill they'll be having the games on this weekend including i'm sure the cavaliers game come on out for high school football on the big screen friday nights college and pro games and also basketball when that starts up and it's right around the corner rivals tap house and grill in corona and uh, definitely check them out tell them we sent you well boys you know we got to talk about it let's start with the michigan wolverines and their inept performance last week who wants to start? You guys uh, pretty much didn't sail the boat on this team yet like I did last week. Um, I 
hate to say it again, but I was right yet again. Uh, I was right about Detroit Lions. I was right about Michigan. As soon as a team loses to somebody like a Rocky Lombardi, you realize that this team is not any good. And, and it's kind of sad. The thing that I keep thinking about as like kind of the talk about Jim Harbaugh and all that stuff is I still remember the, I was at the dentist. Uh, it was going into my uh, sophomore year of high school, I believe, when they announced that Jim Harbaugh was like officially coming to Michigan. I still remember where, where I was when I got that text. And I remember going and like basically talking to everybody that day, like my dad, my brothers, my friends, like just that was all it was about. Like Jim Harbaugh, we finally got our guy. Michigan football is finally back. And if you would have told that little, you know, starry-eyed kid uh, <laughs> what, 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 that we were, were going to lose to Rocky Lombardi, Michigan State, very next week you're going to lose to Indiana, just get basically embarrassed, run off the field. And Jim Harbaugh's career is basically going to come to an end as a Michigan coach. Like, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I, I would have thought that at least we would have won a Rose Bowl with Jim Harbaugh and aspirations for a national championship. And now it's like I, I would just take beating Michigan State, which is, like, really the whole reason we brought him in. And it's just crazy to think that this is the peak. The peak was really year one, if we're being honest. The peak was right before the the trouble with the snap play. That was the peak of the Jim Harbaugh era. And really, there hasn't been anything better since then. I mean, I, I think you're selling it a little short. I mean, 2016, they were a play away from being in the Big Ten Championship, you know, beating Ohio State, being in the Big Ten Championship and in national championship contention. And then yeah. in 2018, same thing. They're going into the Ohio State game. All they got to do is beat the Buckeyes and they'd be in the Big Ten Championship and in the college football playoff picture. So, so I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I don't think the peak was trouble with the snap because you know, they had some success after that. But I, I get what you mean because I think a lot of us, are probably basically every Michigan fan thought the same thing, that it was the biggest home run hire that Michigan football could ever have. And, and not like, I mean, I think, I think you know, we, we probably did have some blinders on. But Jim Harbaugh was, I mean, maybe being looked at as not just in college football, but the NFL yeah. too, all of football, one of the best coaches in all of football at the time, you know, after taking the Niners to the Super Bowl and he turned Stanford around and I, you know what his whole resume, he was a former Michigan player and, you know, he had every check mark that you could want. And so like, I think having those kind of like crazy excitement expectations was justified at the time. And I know what you mean because, like, texting friends and even myself just thinking about it, you know, throwing out ideas and maybe why we think things are going wrong. Everyone has their own theories and stuff. But, but it always comes back to, like, it's like a loss for words. It's like a head-scratcher. Like, it's really strange. You don't know why this isn't really working yeah. out. They've won a bunch of games. But, right, then they lose to Rocky Lombardi and Mel Tucker in his first game against Michigan. And they lose Indiana for the first time in 30 years. And it's just a bunch of, like, what is going on? Because it's not like the dude just forgot how to coach football. You know, like he's still a really good football coach, but like there's just something missing. And it's year six, and you know you're sitting here like, I mean, if it's not happening year six, I mean, when's it supposed to happen? Yeah, you know, I I have to give credit where credit's due, and Jared, you did call it about this year's Michigan team. I was well, well, wait, 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 wait. Let's let's not give Jared too much credit because after they beat Minnesota, he was what was his line? He's all back in on Michigan, and Joe Milton. I was. Guy, it, 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 that's very true. That it, part is true. It was fool's gold. It really was, and that's what sucks about it. Just was kind of crazy timing how we talked about it when it happened, but like it was really two bad teams that were way overrated with rankings before the season. And one of them had to win, and one of them was going to leave that game thinking they were the be well, the best team in the Big Ten, and just happened to be us. I wish we would have lost basically, that game. Looking back, I, I basically say Jared's like the the high school girl on Facebook that you know <laughs> when when she lands the boyfriend, it's all over Facebook. Like, oh my God, I'm so in love in a relationship, happiest girl ever. And then one little argument, and it's back to 
broken up, oh, I'm so depressed, and you know, like everything bad. And then he says he's sorry, and it's back to, oh, we're in a relationship. Oh, my God, I'm the happiest girl ever. That's Jared. I'm not saying he's right about Michigan because if all of a sudden they go and win a few games, he's going to be back on the hardball train. We would think so. I think I'm off of it for good. <laughs> I hate to say it, I, and that's what's – it really kind of clicked in my brain. You know, we've always kind of thrown out, is hardball on the hot seat? Is he this? Is he that? This loss this weekend really kind of just solidified that it, he's actually going to be gone. It's kind of weird to think about, but he's going to be gone after this year. Yeah, it, well, it's certainly looking that way. I don't know how you don't. I don't know how you don't. I really don't. <laughs> it's go- it's going to be tough. Let me let me throw this out there. You know, Matt, you brought it up, and I was thinking about this as well. Sometimes timing is absolutely everything, especially when it comes in football. If Michigan gets the call against Ohio State and they're called short of the first down and Michigan goes to the Big Ten championship game. And if they don't botch that punt, you throw those two games on Harbaugh's resume, it's a lot quieter right now. You're still not happy, but I don't think people are calling for Harbaugh's head. Do you guys agree with that? Oh, I, I think I think that trouble with the snap, that was just like a bad start, you know, because against Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State had taken control of the rivalry, and that was like like what Mel Tucker just did against Harbaugh. He made a statement. That was that was Harbaugh's chance to make a statement and say, you know, Michigan State, you're still not the better program in the state, and you know that whole happened. And then yeah, Ohio State, you know, they could have made it made a statement there, and who knows what that would have done for like recruiting. And he finally gets a win against Ohio State and Urban Meyer, and it, it's all these things. And you know, you see it with like James Franklin. He got that one win over Ohio State and won a Big Ten title. And that's basically like keeping the the people calling for his head because they're Penn State zero three this year too, and you don't hear people talking about firing James Franklin. So, yeah, and it, it's yeah, a, it's, it's crazy. It's it, a, you know, it's a mental block now. Yeah. It, you know, it really is. And I yeah. and I'm I'm fifty fifty really to tell you the truth. I don't want to sit on the fence, but I'm fifty fifty on Harbaugh, Harbaugh right at this second. I'm not going to say. Well, who are you going to get that's any better? Because there's there's coaches out there that are going to figure out how to beat Ohio State, beat Michigan State. I mean, there are coaches out there. Harbaugh's had plenty of chances, and I'm not saying give. I'm not saying they're going to fire him because I don't think they are. I, they might part ways at the end of the season, but it'll probably be mutual. You know, his contract is up unless he unless he comes up with some kind of miracle finish. He probably is done. The biggest thing to me, and and I'm not like it. You know, I've, I've talked about whether it comes to like politics or sports or you know whatever it is why do people have to be like so extreme one way or the other like it's it's if you're not on the harbaugh's done he's way overrated fire him if you're not on that side then people are like you're crazy i'm, I'm not calling him like the best coach in the big 10 or the best coach in college football but i'm also not saying like i want him gone because i do still think you know i talk about like the expectations that we've all talked about the expectations being unrealistic for harbaugh coming in and i think we all do realize that now that we were probably all maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit with Harbaugh coming in and immediately just turning them into Ohio State or Alabama or whatever. And I still think, like, if we're asking a coach, basically the one thing that Harbaugh hasn't done is, like, put it all together with a win over Ohio State, getting to the Big Ten Championship and then a college football playoff. If we're going to ask a new coach to come in, whether it's Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle or whoever it's going to be, to come in, and if you're firing Harbaugh or letting him go and bringing in a new coach, you want him to be better than what Harbaugh is being. So if we're asking a new coach to come in and be better than what Harbaugh is doing, isn't that probably a, a little unrealistic given how good Ohio State is right now and how good you know some of the other teams in the Big Ten are? You know, Penn State is established with Franklin and stuff like that. Like, if we're asking a new coach to come in and be better 
than what Harbaugh is doing, isn't that probably a little unrealistic also? Not not for this year. Uh, it seems like they're going to have a losing record, it seems like, this year. I, we were we, we were a little bit upset that he never would beat Ohio State, but we were never. I don't think any three of us were ever like super serious about firing him you know, just because of what he's done the last five years. But this year, how do you not look at what this team – and even last year was very disappointing. Like you remember, like they, they, it's like you almost don't want to root for this team because they seem to come in like so snobby every game. Like Michigan State this this year, and they get their door, they get just their doors blown off. Wisconsin last year, uh, Penn State last year. It, it, like they almost just think they're better than everyone, and they don't come in prepared. And it just yep. it's it's like it's just embarrassing. That's it, the most disappointing thing because it does. I mean, after watching that game, well, watching the game against Michigan State and then watching that game against Indiana, you, you talk about looking unprepared. Well, they definitely looked unprepared, and they don't look like they have the talent level going. Isn't either. that weird? It looked like Indiana had better players at every position. Absolutely, <laughs> like, it did. every position. That's, yeah, and that's the thing. And I, I think that is an indictment on Jim Harbaugh. I, I'm still kind of like a fan of his. I'm I'm still maybe one of the few in support of him, you know, at least for now, being the head coach. But it does seem like he's, he's not, like, getting the best out of his players in a sense because we've seen, like, Mark D'Antonio just, you know, for example, have, like what you guys are talking about, have rosters that, as far as recruiting goes or, you know, whatever, less talented, but getting the most out of those guys. And, you you know, Indiana, they might end up they, – they look like they're a pretty good team this year, and, you know, they have some really good players. But, you know, if you look at the roster top to bottom – Michigan has, you know, the better players, if you want to say it that way, with the recruiting and, you know, maybe NFL prospect and stuff like that. But clearly, like you guys have pointed out, Indiana looked like a way better team on Saturday. So does that come back on coaching? Because, I mean, like you're saying, I've said that I think it's a mindset thing with the Michigan program where they think, like, they've been highly recruited, they choose Michigan, they go to the winningest program in college football history, you know, the maize and blue and the big house and all this stuff, and I think they just think, like, I'm sure they put in the work and they do work hard. We're not we're not in the the practice room and the weight room and stuff like that. But it seems like they feel like they, if they just show up, they're going to win. They haven't. Indiana hasn't beat us in 30 years. They just got to show up and we're eventually going to win. Mel Tucker's first year and Rocky Lombardi's the starting quarterback. We're gonna we're eventually going to figure this out. We're going to win this game. It just seems like there's no edge. And you know I I don't know if it's like an overall program mindset, but it just seems like it's an arrogance thing. And I don't know. Does that fall on Harbaugh and some of the some of his staff? You know, maybe it does. And here's the thing that's also like why I just think it's flat out time to get Harbaugh out. Like the, the it's almost like the magic is gone. Like if you remember the first couple years, like it was like everyone was like it was like you know they say row the boat or whatever. Everyone was like rowing in the same direction. It seemed like we had the Jordan deal. We had like we were getting to, like literally the top recruit in the country was Sean Gary, Jabril Peppers all these different guys. Now it's like we don't even get like that like high name of recruits. Who is like the last like huge recruit we got in football behind Rashawn Gary? I don't even remember any of them. We're just getting dominated in recruiting. We're getting dominated on the field, dominated like in the film room. It's time for something new. I don't know. I, everyone's throwing out the name like Brent Venables. He's not coming. He Every country, every team in the country has offered him a job. Like he's not leaving Clemson. He gets paid like a head coach as is. And there's really, like Luke Fickle. I would love Luke Fickle. If you could tell me right now that we could have Luke Fickle next year, I would 100% take that trade. What what makes you like Luke Fickle so much? Because I'm trying. How I'm still it, trying to make a decision. If on he's that. at he Cincinnati and he's better, Cincinnati would probably beat Michigan by four scores right now. Okay. It's Cincinnati. Yeah. And you don't think he could somehow recreate that at Michigan in some way or another? Well, I think the advantage would be he he probably would be very solid recruiting Ohio football players, which is a big bonus right there. Yeah. I think I, th- I think I think coaches are really hammering recruits on the fact that 
you know, Harbaugh's got a sinking ship. And what's going. funny is he'd probably pull a, a PJ Flack and bring half of Cincinnati with them, right. and they'd immediately be better than than what Michigan is right now. Just like what Minnesota did. So you'd be okay with Fickle? Is there any other names out there? You'd like the Iowa State coach, does he do anything for you? Or any, any really. other young hot shots? Luke Fickle is number one, two, and three on my list right now. And obviously if we somehow, some way got Venables, I'd, I'd love that hire as well. But I think right now it's I'm going for Fickle. Mm-hmm. Blank check. I guess that, that's what I mean. Like to expect Fickle to be better than what Harbaugh is doing. I mean, you never know. It, you know, like you said, Ted earlier, the timing thing. Oh yeah. Maybe just a change of a change of scenery would be good. So you never know how it's going to turn out. But Luke Fickle, the, the last time Michigan beat Ohio State, Luke Fickle was the head coach with a loaded Ohio State roster. So I mean, and and he's doing this with Cincinnati. It's not like Cincinnati's in a conference like the SEC or even the Pac-12. Or you know, so like, I've, yeah, he might come in and be a solid head coach. But I just go back to, like, what's going to make him better than what Harbaugh's doing? Harbaugh is still getting good recruiting classes. He's putting a ton of dudes into the NFL. So, like, it's not like he's, you know, that's, like, people act like he's a trash coach. Like, he's a the bottom. He's got Michigan down with, like, the Illinois and the Maryland and stuff of the Big Ten. And it's not that bad. You know, I just think, like, but to your point, Jared, maybe it is the type of thing where, like you said, the magic has worn off. Maybe that's, maybe he's himself lost a little bit of his edge and stuff or maybe he's getting a little worn out or something you know i don't know it, it seems like something's missing and you know something needs to change i still think i'm not chalking it up i'm not like saying this year doesn't matter because you know like people at the beginning of the year were saying 2020 nothing it doesn't matter if we go zero and eight or whatever who cares i'm not saying that but i'm, I'm kind of like saying this is just like a crazy year a lot of stuff is happening like three or four sec games are postponed this saturday you know, Notre Dame's had games postponed. Like, it's just a weird year. So that's why I think Harbaugh is is going to get another chance it, next year, at least I, I think he's going to. But the one thing I think, he's got to make a change with some of his assistants. And Don Brown is probably yeah. the one because he's a, Don Brown's a good defensive coordinator. Obviously, he's proven. He's not, he's, you know, he's had very good defenses even at Michigan. But clearly, it, it, that's just not working. I mean, Rocky Lombardi, is having career days, and Indiana's quarterback is having a career day against the defense. So if Harbaugh comes back, he's got to make some changes on his staff and basically say, I mean, I, like I said last week, almost like a one-year deal, deal, like we're giving you another year and you better prove it this year or something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't personally hate it if we brought Harbaugh, Harbaugh back, for, but I just don't see Harbaugh coming back on a one-year deal. Like that just seems yeah. like a slap in the face to Harbaugh and not how Michigan would do it. But the thing that is, is you mentioned Notre Dame, it's like, remember, it wasn't like that long ago when Notre Dame had a three-win season under Brian Kelly. And now you look at Notre Dame right now, they're <laughs> the best they've ever been under Brian Kelly. So I guess it, it, it wouldn't be with him. Yeah, it wouldn't be preposterous him. for Jim Harbaugh to turn it around. But I just miss what happened to the guy. Remember when those like all the number the best like QB prospects would like go to him every year and like he would have like a QB school. And, like, he was, like, the quarterback whisperer. Like, what happened to that guy? Now it's like we got Joe Milton, the guy who everyone says he's so talented, this and that, but yet we can't even get this guy to be, like, an okay quarterback. He's just bad. Well, I, I just – what happened to that guy? Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, and the thing I was going to ask you about Milton, the guy has potential still, I think, but, man, watching him throw the long ball, he just doesn't have a touch on it. It's, he just has to laser. fire that ball. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> no, he doesn't have touch. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he he shows off the cannon a lot, and he he's that guy that he like a handful or more throws a game. You can see the potential because he does make some really good throws. But then he has a bunch of other throws where you're just like, 
who is that even to or like what is even going on there so you know like maybe a little bit to milton's credit or you know to to back milton a little bit you know this is only that was only his third start of his career so you know but you do see other quarterbacks from day one step in and look like they've been starting for a bunch of games so i'm not trying to like make excuses for him but you know that could be something he's only started a couple games so maybe he is learning on the job type of thing but you know, you brought up Ryan Kelly, and right, like I think that's a decent comparison to what maybe Michigan fans should alter their expectations to being like a Notre Dame, or like I tweeted it out earlier, maybe like a Wisconsin, where right, like a few years ago, Notre Dame went four and eight, and you know they they have like a few 10, 11 win seasons, and then maybe they go nine and five, or like an eight and five, or something like that, and then they go back to winning 10, 11 games. That's kind of the same with Wisconsin. You know, they have seven, eight win, nine win season, but then they go on a, you know, they get a class in and they go on a good two or three year run winning 10, 11 games and kind of contend for the big 10 and maybe for the college football playoffs. Like maybe that should be what Michigan should, Michigan fans should alter their expectations to not trying to be like Ohio state where winning 13 games a year, Alabama winning 13 games contending for the national title every year. Like, yes, that would be cool, but obviously like that's kind of like unrealistic expectations. So maybe, Michigan fans need to alter their expectations and say, maybe if we were just a strong program, eight, nine, ten wins a year, two or three years, everything clicks. We actually beat Ohio State and contend for a Big Ten and a national title. I mean, maybe maybe that's what it should be because we all expected Harbaugh to come in and turn it into Alabama, and that's just clearly not happening. Well, Matt, I, I was going to jump in, but you said it. I'd go all 100% with, with what you said on the program. If they could run a program like that, the whole key is, though, you got, in my view, you got to beat Ohio State. Someday, you got to beat Ohio State. They haven't done it. That's the biggest right. problem. That's the number one issue for me. You, if they would have beat Ohio State once or twice in this Harbaugh run, I wouldn't even be upset. You, I, I say, hey, you can give a guy a bad year, especially a COVID year, you know? Things are out of whack this season, without a doubt, across the board. But if you can't beat your biggest rivals and they're just laughing every single year when they have you on the schedule and they know it's going to be a piece That's of cake. That's the thing. It's not like it's – it's just the way we've been losing. Right. It's, it's, and you're mentioning, like, how we should be – we're not even a Wisconsin. Wisconsin kicks our ass. And they is, beat Ohio it, State once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and they put up a good fight against Ohio State. Like, every year in the Big Ten Championship, like, it's those two teams. It's, like, a, usually a pretty decent game. Right. Whereas Michigan's just losing by 40. It's like, I don't understand – how we can't just be close in that game. I don't understand how we can't be beating the Wisconsin's. Really, we haven't done super good against like Penn State. We lost to Penn State last year. Like the teams that we are seemingly on the same level as, like we've been getting like our ass kicked by them the last few couple years. See but, see, but this is the thing. Harbaugh has a winning record against James Franklin. And yes. like this is the whole like what have you done for me lately? And this is what people do. They they, they all just jump on. Harbaugh can't win any big games. Well, Notre Dame's last loss when Michigan by 30 or 40 and just a few years ago michigan was beating uh wisconsin by 30 or 40 at the big house when chase winovich and those guys were on the revenge tour and penn state hasn't beaten uh, harbaugh and michigan at the big house so like you know and he's three and three versus michigan state this loss this the loss this year versus michigan state was absolutely terrible that should not have happened but you know it's the what have you done for me lately He's been fine against everybody else. So that's what I mean. It's just Ohio State. He's beaten Wisconsin. He's smoked Wisconsin. He has smoked Penn State. He has smoked Michigan State. He's done everything else. He just can't beat Ohio State. And like you said, two of the years, if he would have beat Ohio State, they would have been in the Big Ten Championship, probably won because the team coming from the West 
usually isn't as strong as the team from the East, and they would have been in the college football playoffs. So that's what I mean. Like, people just bag on Harbaugh and act like he hasn't won any big games. When it's like now people are acting like Notre Dame's elite and they're on this long winning streak when just, you know, last year at this time, Michigan was beating them by 40. So, you know, it's like if you're going to act like Harbaugh is like a bottom feeder coach in some of these shitty programs like the MAC or something like that or the AAC, then, okay, go ahead and call up and bring in someone else and let's see how they do. You know, because people were all over hoax when he won 11 games his first year and then how'd that end up? So, you know, I just I, – it gets me a little fired up because – you know, people act like Harbaugh is like a terrible coach. And clearly, like, I, th- I think it's mostly unrealistic expectations by the fans. The thing is, is that there's no win to hang our to like hang our hat on. Like, you know, BCS, that, no BCS victories. Good wins. It's just the Ohio State. It, like, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like jump on you, yeah. there, but like people talk about like there's no good win. Notre Dame was a top ten team last year when Michigan beat them by thirty or forty, whatever it was. They beat a top ten Wisconsin team. They beat. They beat Penn State the year that they went on to win the Big Ten championship. So, like, there are good wins there. It just, it really just, like Ted has said, it comes down to Ohio State, and that's what just overshadows everything. Yep. I don't know, and maybe you're, you're, they, yes, they have beaten those teams, and maybe, and like you said, you did say at the top, like we need to reevaluate like what our expectations are, but like just beating Wisconsin, beating Penn State, you pretty much usually when we do beat those teams, it's when they're on a down year. And like I, it just doesn't get my blood rushing. I, I don't know. I just kind of view it as another win. Would you get? Would your blood rush if you seen Michigan go to the horseshoe and beat Ohio State? That's the one. Like that's <laughs> the one thing we say. That, like higher, if somehow, some way, if they even put up a decent fight against Ohio State, like let's say they lose by a score. Yeah, I would say I would be fine with keeping Harbaugh for another year. But I just don't see them staying within a score. Right. It'll be tough. And, and not not too long ago, Dabo Sweeney started off. One in five against Clemson's biggest rival, South Carolina. So, like, there's some of these things that, like, I know it's like the, having the ultimate patience or whatever, but, you know, it's not like Dabo started off running Clemson like he has Clemson right now. Brian Kelly has had some down years, too. So, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I worry about, you know, I, I think back to when Michigan ran Lloyd Carr off, and then Michigan basically ran their program into the tank by bringing in Rich Rod and then Brady Hoke, you know. So I just, you know, it's almost like is, is the grass really greener on the other side? Let's bring in some other coach that's going to be great. And then are recruiting, recruiting going to fall off? Ryan Day still going to be running Ohio State? You know, it, it, I just, I worry about the, the program get, just getting run into the ground again by having the wrong hire. I'll tell you one thing. We need to get Matt riled up more often. I mean, he, he brought some good stuff to the to the podcast. That's what this is all about. You know, we have a good three-way discussion, the three different generations, but we obviously look at things a little different, and, and I think that's what kind of makes this kind of fun to do. You know, what's not so fun is what's been going on at Michigan State. They beat Michigan. I think you called it last week, Jared. You, you were talking to Joe Janka and said, that's your Super Bowl. That was <laughs> proven that was their super bowl because they came down to earth last week and i don't know did they come down to earth or is michigan just that bad it's i i think it was i think they were just more ready to play than michigan i don't think their players are better than michigan but i could be wrong on that too after watching michigan against indiana but i i think they came down to earth yeah that's what i think yeah i mean i guess i don't i don't know how good is iowa this year i don't think we know outside of ohio state who's actually good in the big 10 this year right but- you know, it, it was just disappointing. I, I know I said it before we started recording, but it was disappointing to see Iowa just Iowa's offense just going up and down the field, like almost like they were not even having a defense in front of them. 
and Michigan struggled so much to even move the ball against Michigan State. So, and even like Rocky Lombardi looked like an all pro quarterback against Michigan's defense and, you know, I, Iowa kind of shut him down. So, you know, that, it was just kind of disappointing to watch it that way. I think, you know, I, I know Michigan State fans were super excited and rightfully so for them beating Michigan, but I think most Michigan State fans, and even Joe Jenkins said last week on the pod, I think they still know that Michigan State isn't a very good team this year. Right. So, you know, maybe maybe a few were thinking, hey, we're going to run the table and win the Big Ten. But, you know, I, I think most of them knew they they still are not a good team this year. No, they're not a good team. But I, I know I kind of jokingly say it's their Super Bowl, but that was a season-defining win and a big, huge win for Mel Tucker because I think Michigan was at, like, we were so amped. So we, we thought the team was legit. We thought this was the best team Harbaugh had had, which kind of just yep. shows how dumb we were. Right. I'll, I'll put my hand up. And and it was already a signature win, Mel Tucker's signature win. So they're set for the rest of the year. And, and it, I don't you, – you know, like you said, they definitely came back down to earth because I don't know how – they played otherworldly, like, against Michigan. They did. I, like, Antoine Simmons looks like looked like freaking Brian Urlacher. <laughs> and Rocky Lombardi, like you said, he looked like Peyton Manning. And they have these two no-name wideouts that are that look like absolute studs against Michigan, and I, and we'll see. You know, as we don't really know exactly how good each team is in the Big Ten, we'll see as the season progresses. But we don't know if that was just Michigan flat out not having a good defense like at all, or if that's just Michigan State rising to the occasion. Yeah, you know, and we're talking Michigan State a little bit. Okay, they got their win against Michigan, and if they falter and in the Big Ten, they could easily lose all the rest of their games. Yeah. So, so you say that the Michigan win was a program statement for Mel Tucker. Is it really? If that's the only win you have on, the I think season? it's almost like if I was a Michigan State fan, I'd almost root for that. Like yeah. one win against Michigan, you're so bad, but yeah, you still just beat <laughs> Michigan. It's kind of funny. I think it's kind of almost kind of hilarious funny. in a way. No, that's actually that's a good point. Like if that's their only win, like they could hang it on. Like, look how bad we were this year, but our one win was over Michigan. <laughs> So, yeah, that's actually a good point. All right. Well, I think we've – is there anything else we want to get on the table here in college football before we move on to the Woeful Lions? I mean, like you said, Matt, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, uh, November 10th, which, by the way, is the 45th anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I don't know if you guys tuned into that song today at all. but I did not. 45 years ago. It's a good song. I'm not going to lie. It's a decent song. It is. When the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. Very, uh, very memorable, but, uh, you know, uh, COVID, you know, we don't want to keep talking about COVID, but it's a fact of life this season. You know, we're seeing postponements, LSU, Alabama. Is it is it postponed indefinitely? Do you know any further details on that? I know Alabama and LSU, they're working out the details, but the other SEC game, like Texas A&M, I believe that was rescheduled for December 12th, mm-hmm. so... I think I wouldn't be surprised if they do it on December twelfth or whenever they do end up deciding to do it. But I don't think that game is canceled. I just think it's postponed. Right, and you know, off mic we were talking about it. This has been just a. a we're we're glad that football is back, but it's not. It's not the same. It's not no. the same juice without the fans. I mean, it, we had a little bit of that with the Notre Dame Clemson game. I mean, they had. I think their entire student body can go to the games. They all charge the field and spread COVID like crazy <laughs> afterwards. But uh, some of the other games, like watching Michigan play at the big house with no fans there, it's it's it, there's definitely a factor involved, and it's probably part of the reason why there's a lot of different upsets. I mean, you're looking at Liberty. I mean, bring Hugh Freeze into Ann Arbor. I mean, look what he's done with that program. I mean, I say that facetiously, but, but the guy I, can coach. Yeah, I, 
Is it that crazy? I don't think that's that, that's that, that's no, that crazy. Don't you? Yeah, got, I mean, he's a little more of a Southern guy, so I'd be surprised if he would even consider it. But, I mean, it, I think that the no fan thing is definitely taken away from a little bit of the excitement, I guess, of college football, but probably also that our teams in Michigan aren't playing that well, well too. <laughs> that's probably the biggest factor. You know, I was going to lead also and say, you know, we, we, we've been seeing the COVID thing affecting high school here. I mean, we had one of the best matchups in the state coming up this weekend, Puamo Westphalia at Ithaca, and PW had to forfeit because of COVID cases there at the school. So, you know, they had a chance to play this season. I think they went 7-1, and one, but unfortunately they don't get a chance to uh, go back and play for a state championship, and it's probably not the last uh, school in the playoffs that we'll see that happen to this year, unfortunately. So stay tuned, as they say. Well, we'll take a look at the Lions, a little NFL talk before we uh, wrap up the podcast with a little talk about golf and the Masters coming up. But before we get to that, thecronaconnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on everything Cavalier Nation at coronaconnection.com. Also, Advanced Elevator Company, they have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators, an area business leader, and a long time, huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. And also on board, Hankard Sportswear, the area's top clothing and more printing business. Located in the heart of Owasso, right on Exchange Street. Follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. Well, you know, I think we're kind of mixed on the Harbaugh situation, but when it, but when it comes to the Lions, I think it's probably got to be unanimous. Patricia goes, Quinn goes. If ownership can sell, let's do that. They got a clean house. I'm going to start just by saying I gave Jared credit, you know, for for talking about the Wolverines. Maybe not a hundred percent, but we talked about when the Lions had an opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback. And I don't know if you guys remember, but I was 100% on board that they <laughs> should have took Tua. Yeah. And now look at him. He looks like he's healthy. He's uh, got two wins in a row for the Dolphins. He's still not, you know, 100% all-pro quarterback. But you can see that he is a franchise quarterback. And the Lions instead draft a cornerback number one when they've got an aging Matt Stafford who, Matt, I know he's maybe one of your one of the best players that – your favorite player, maybe behind Barry Sanders. I've always been a Matt Stafford fan, but he was getting a little old, and now they could have had Tua, and I'm just so disappointed. Isn't that hilarious how they got the, the Tua, who just because of a little leg injury, I mean, it was it was big. Like I, I remember, like what they had to do, like the that Alabama was serious. ankles. Yeah, it was a serious ankle injury, but the guy was like, when there was an argument between him or Trevor, like pretty much everyone was saying they would rather have Tua. Right, and then he was right there for the Lions where. He teed was, up. It, it wasn't was like up. it wasn't like we we had to trade up to number one or something. He was, he was on there. the board, and we passed on him. And I and you were huge on Tua. I was always saying like I wouldn't have hated if we drafted Tua. I would have loved that draft pick if we had drafted him. But it's just a, it's just depressing. I, like in terms of like Michigan and the Lions, like we are so far away from reaching our goals that yeah. it's like I don't even know what there is to talk about with them anymore. I think it's I just think the Lions by far are further deeper than Michigan. I don't myself, know if they are. It, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's getting closer and closer together, but Lions are the most inept organization in all professional sports, I think. Yeah, they are. And what, what makes that whole – because I, I was definitely on board with the Tua pick also because, you know, you can never – they had just, like, paid their backup quarterback, Chase Daniel, a ton of money. So it did kind of seem like they probably weren't going to do, you know, draft Tua. But, like, what makes the whole Patricia, Bob Quinn thing – even looked even more inept is he had an all pro corner in Darius Slade. Yeah. And they, they get rid of him because of culture problems or, you know, Patricia is trying to build 
the culture and he wants to form the locker room into what he wants. So that's why they got rid of Darius Slay so they could draft Okuda at number three. And it, so it's just like that just makes everything look even worse because the team, as, as much as we talk about Michigan looking like they're not going out there and playing with an edge, I honestly, I didn't watch the game on Sunday because I was at the beach, but, you know, keeping up with friends texting or, you know, watching on the app and stuff like that, it seemed like that was the Lions were even worse on Sunday, not playing with an edge. And, you know, Stafford had a bad game, and he went through – his week was weird because he got put on the COVID list, so he wasn't able to be with his family. And, like, he had – like, one of his daughters, like, got a concussion or something. So, like, he was – I did see something where he said, like, it was just, like, a crazy week, like – stressful, not being able to be with his family, you know, thinking about his wife and daughters. Then he goes in and, you know, just has a pretty bad game. So, you know, I I just think, like, kind of what we were talking about maybe with Harbaugh, like, just maybe time for a change. And, yeah, Ted Stafford is one of my favorite Lions ever. But I almost feel like maybe it's just time for a change for both, like, people, for the Lions and for Stafford. Maybe he needs to go somewhere else and try and finish his career with an actual, like, competent franchise. And the Lions need to just completely start over. I can't. I can't agree more. There's no doubt about it. And the sad part is, you know, we had we had a franchise quarterback. How often do you draft number three and could get a potential All-Pro quarterback to take over for your aging 32-year-old quarterback who's done a hell of a job for you? But you know, even though he's under contract, he can bring the young guy under his wing and you know, let him learn this year and then take over. And then Stafford could go to somewhere like the Cowboys or somewhere else next year and maybe uh, may- maybe have a couple good years, you know. And it just it just sickens me to see this Lions organization make these kind of stupid moves. I mean, it reminds me of Dumars and the Pistons when he had Carmelo Anthony sitting right there, ready to go, and he, and he drafts Darko. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, I can't, and what makes it even worse too is it, it does that Iowa man. If, if they finish a year, whatever they end up six and ten, or they might not even win six games this year, but whatever they finish up, it really seems like Patricia's probably not coming back. But you know, I, th- I think we've talked about it before, and I've seen some other people talk about it on Twitter and stuff that like, like with the, the, the Darius Slay trade, they've like tried to build this roster and bringing in all these former Patriots players. Mm-hmm. They tried to build this roster. Or Patricia, so it's like if whoever they bring in, this might be like a three or four year rebuilding process. Especially if they do figure out how to move Stafford and they start with, you know, a rookie quarterback or something like that. Like trying to rebuild the roster and draft some new guys and stuff. Like who knows what's going to happen? And then just on top of that, it's the Lions. So really, who knows what they're going to do? So I, yeah, I don't know. Like where are the Lions? You know, like it doesn't feel like. You know, for a while it felt like, okay, you got it young. You got Stafford. You got your franchise quarterback. There was Megatron there for a while. So, you know, there was always a little bit of, like, hope or promise. Right now it, it almost feels like there's nothing. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's it, it's sad, but that's where they're at, you know. <laughs> they become irrelevant. That's the problem. And, you know, not you guys know I'm about as big a Lion fan as you can be. And watching that game last week and watching how this year has gone and then sitting there and watching uh, – you know, Barney Rubble at his press conferences, the guy is not impressive. <laughs> not impressive at all. But what is impressive is November golf. I'm loving it. It's it's the only thing keeping me going uh, in the sports realm right now. Everything's we're all, we've all been kind of been down in the dumps all, all pod. It's been a tough year. The one positive, like you said, November Masters is here. Tiger, he just had his uh, champion's dinner tonight. It was it was like Mexican food for the majority, oh. three different desserts. It. If there was anything that I could attend, 
uh, it would be a champion's dinner. That sounds like just the – it sounds like the perfect mix of everything I love. Masters, the pageantry, and then just, like, five-star food. Uh, but it, the thing is, like, no one really knows how the big storylines head into the Masters this week. It's pretty much – DeChambeau, who's eight to, who's the favorite to win uh, the tournament, Bryson DeChambeau, he's basically been the biggest name in golf this year because of, you know, he bulked up this offseason. He's basically just decided he's going to hit driver off the tee any chance he gets, uh, and he just bombs the ball, like, three over th- like the longer than anyone else on tour. So the thing, the big storyline going into this week is whether or not he's going to be able to overpower Augusta. There was a, a guy for Golf Digest who followed him around during the practice round, and he flew a par four. Uh, with a three wood, he hit it over the green. Oh my! And he's been—he reached every single par five in two shots with ease, and he's hitting into all these par fours with a with a pitching wedge when everybody else is having to hit six iron, five iron. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to kind of change how Augusta is played, where people stop. But that's what he's been saying is people are kind of hoping that it's going to still come down to putting and chipping, which is kind of what Augusta has always claimed is the biggest thing behind their tournament. But I'm just excited to see what the course is going to look like. It seems like the, uh, like the master's Twitter page is kind of hyping up the like fall leaves and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if we look at the Augusta and it looks the same as it always does. Uh, and it really doesn't look like it's the fall at all there. Um, but we'll see. It's just, it's, it's great to have the masters here, in a time when we desperately needed it. And, you know, normally it's in the spring, right when sports is kind of really ramping up. This year, it's right when us Michiganders need it. it we need something as a distraction from football. Yeah, I mean, I know I know the Masters, they pipe in the fake bird noise, and they can, I mean, they take as good a care of their golf course as anyone. But I don't think they can change the colors <laughs> of the leaves on the tree. <laughs> I mean, you're, yeah, I, I don't know what you're saying by the Masters making it not look like fall in Georgia. I don't... I don't think they can go in and change the colors of the, the well, leaves on the tree. Well, you got to give us a little lesson, Matt. I mean, you're in North Carolina. What are the trees like down there right now here on November 10th? There's, yeah, they've started to turn. It's definitely like every. It's like a month later than in Michigan. So, you know, the last couple of weeks they've started to turn. So yeah. they, it won't be as colorful as, you know, the peak of Michigan fall colors. But I, I think it, it's going to look nice and colorful. But, no, you're spot on, Jared. I mean, it, it's when is the next time that the Masters is going to be during football season? Like, this is just – so crazy to even think about i know like college football is kind of strange this year and there's been postponements but to have a college football saturday and even high school football playoff friday while the masters is going on that's just like pretty crazy to think about so hopefully you know the tournament lives up to the hype which usually the masters does so and like you said yeah and like you said uh ted at the top like they're going to be college game day is going to be there it's going to be a pretty cool environment i just want to see what augusta looks like without it's not gonna. It's obviously not gonna be as good as if spectators were there, but it will be different. Right. And it'll be interesting to see. We'll be able to get a full, real full look at what this course actually looks like. Like if we, if me or you were to play it. So that's gonna be cool to see. What's the word? I'm. I'm certainly no golf expert, but okay. What 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 are you hearing out there? Would be the difference playing Augusta here. In They've November said that it's gonna to play April. longer, and and it all comes down. It's supposed to be. I think Harder, a little bit rainy. That, yeah. I think this week uh, in Augusta. So that's something to keep your eye on, but. That's the thing. No one, no one truly knows until. I mean, we didn't even know what we all thought that the uh, the U.S. Open was going to be this like absolute, uh, you know, dumpster fire where everyone was going to be shooting over par, and then DeChambeau comes out and shoots six under and just makes the courses bitch. So no one can predict it really. We'll see. If I think it's going to be a little bit less high. Like our, I, I don't think like, usually the Masters winners are somewhere between ten under and fifteen under. I right. think it's going to be a single digit 
winner, I think, personally. Then if, who, 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 who would you go with? I don't know how you, you pick go a name. against DeShambeau. DeShambeau. I think DeShambeau, you got to watch every single one of DeShambeau's shots this week. And, and it would it's going to be a good story either way with DeShambeau. Either he's going to miss the cut and all the old school golf guys are going to be like, oh, see, you can't just because you can bomb the ball far doesn't mean you're a good golfer. And then if he somehow just, you know, puts Augusta in his back pocket, that's also a great story. Because this guy is the ultimate polarizing character in golf. You either love him or you hate him. Most people right, hate him. Right. Nothing you, to add on DeShambo. I, I, I guess not. <laughs> I was we gonna, got nothing. I was going to say, who who else can put a challenge up? You know, who's, who's the other, the I mean, the second five? favorite Dustin is, is Johnson? Dustin Johnson, John, yeah. John Rahm. Uh, they're all playing well right now. Roy McIlroy, if he can somehow piece it together, even though it seems like he's a shell of what he once was. Tiger Woods, I mean, how can you count out Tiger? Right. I, Tiger was in it's tears a little bit. Uh, it's his course. He's not playing super well right now. I would say the more likely scenario is that Tiger just hope that he makes, makes the, cut. the cut. Yep. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it, there's there's gonna be fireworks, especially in a year when there's no spectators. I feel like uh, the people like Tiger who kind of thrive in those situations don't have to deal with that this year. So that's gonna be interesting to see how that affects things. Well, too. we were looking at the schedules, you know, in football. You know, you got Michigan State, or I mean, Michigan rather playing Saturday night against Wisconsin. That'll, that's worth watching, and the Masters will be over. Yep. And then Sunday, you know. I'll probably watch a whole lot of the Masters, yes. you know. So yeah, the one thing that I'm curious about, like you were you were asking, like what's maybe different, you know, with it being in the fall and stuff. The weather definitely, you know, it's a little cooler than it would be, you know, in the springtime. But it gets dark a lot earlier, you know, after uh-huh. the whole fall back thing with the time change. It gets dark pretty early down here. So I am curious to see, like, if they've adjusted tea times to, you know, like compensate for that or something. Because, I mean, usually by you would think five o'clock, to. it's starting to get pretty dark so um I, yeah i was just thinking about that as you, you guys were talking about that like usually you know especially in the summertime golf tournaments they're playing into yeah. five six seven o'clock at night sometimes but yeah i'm curious to see like it gets dark a little early down here you know in the fall so that could be interesting well remember how awesome it was when tiger did win uh which was i think it was like 18 months ago by now but it seems like forever ago it's crazy I was hearing something today where they're talking about it was the Game of Thrones was still going on when he won. Right. So that's the last time the Masters was played. Uh, but if you remember, they moved up the tee times on the Masters Sunday because of I think it was a rainstorm was coming or something like that. So they pushed everybody way up, and it was perfect. Like Tiger was teeing off like right when you woke up. Right. So I don't I don't believe they've made any announcements about that yet, but we'll see. You would think they'd have to. Now I you know, I was just thinking I've seen where they brought out lights before. They'd never do that at Augusta, would they? Like for the last two or three holes, I I don't see why they would. Like I said, I yeah. I feel like if if the timing is going to be an issue, they would just push just the tee times up, up a little so bit too. after the cut. All right, well, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, the Masters and some of the other sports coming up this weekend. Let's hope our local teams can do well and uh, bounce back because last weekend was about as pitiful of a football weekend you could ever have. I was just going to ask you guys. You guys are going to Frankenmuth to call the game. Yep, right? the Corona Frankenmuth game. You you got to be Ted. You're going early to get some fried chicken, right? <laughs> I wish I could, but no, I, I got to drive the bus, so <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll probably take a rain check on that. But boy, it's sure tempting, that's for sure. I don't want to have a full. You go get some fried chicken, maybe go get some new Christmas lights over at Bronner's. Over at Bronner's yep. You know, make a whole day of it. Shoot, I should go over there and sell them some spots. That's what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds good. I'll tell you that much. Um, I did want to kind of wrap up with a couple quick thoughts. Uh, Jared brought it up last week about his dad uh, listening to Miley Cyrus. Yep. I, I did go home, checked out Zombie. Excellent job. And I, I actually <laughs> actually did what your dad did. I, I told Alexa, play me some Miley Cyrus. She has pretty good songs. I enjoy her. Uh, 
Wow. Talented. And, wow. And also, The Queen's Gambit, I finished watching that. Still highly recommend it. Let me ask you guys a question. This I'm glad I saved it for the end in case people want to just drop out. You know, I'm the old guy. I'm an old geezer at 64. And the, the star of the movie, her name is Anya Taylor-Joy. And I, I always try to think, what's the proper way to say a girl's good looking? You know, at 64... It's probably not appropriate for me to say she's hot, right? That's no. kind of creepy, right? Beautiful. Beautiful. That's a good word. Back in when I was your age, I would say, man, she's a fox. But she is very attractive, so I'm just throwing that out there. I, didn't I don't know. hate that saying. I might start to have to start using that. That she's a, a fox. fox. Yeah. <laughs> that's, an, that's an interesting one. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe saying she's hot. I mean, maybe that's more a younger person thing. I don't know. I've, I've I'm just always... asking if it's creepy. <laughs> From me. A little bit. Oh. <laughs> It might Hello, sound man. creepy, but, like, I've always just thought, like, people are attractive. So, you know, sometimes people say, like, you don't want to stay around your girlfriend or your wife or something no, like that, that's that true. another girl is attractive. And I'm always just like, well, there are other pretty people out there in the world. So, like, it's okay to say that somebody else is attractive or pretty. Now, if you're walking around saying, like, she's hot and, you know, stuff like that, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but... Yeah, she's beautiful. She's pretty. She's really good looking. She's attractive. You're, there you're, are other attractive people out there in the world, so I think it's okay to say it. Yeah, I agree with that. And here's the here's isn't she like a fifteen year old in the show? Well, she's actually twenty four in real life. But she's a fifteen year old. She in the starts show. off as a fifteen year old, but she she uh, she gets to the major chess tournaments. I think she's twenty or twenty one. Oh. Okay, well, yeah. so that's a little, maybe we'll throw that disclaimer out, that maybe you think she's hot when she was 20 in the show. Not when she was 15. I'm going to say that right now. All right. <laughs> no, just an attractive girl, very good actress, and a, and a good show. So I just want to throw that out there. And it's a, I know you probably said it last week. It's only like, it's only one, it's a miniseries, right? It's only one season? Yeah, it's seven episodes, seven hour-long episodes. And I like I told Jared before we started recording that, uh, you know, Watch the first episode. It kind of sets the stage. It may not suck you in 100%, but stick with it, and you'll be glad you did. All right, I think we covered everything. I think we'll call this a pod, boys. Follow us. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sharon and Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle. And speaking of Z92.5, our game of the week is this Friday night, Corona at Frankenmuth. Uh, we'll see if the Cavaliers can... Pick up the win against the undefeated and number two Frankenmuth Eagles. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thank you again for supporting Three Point Podcast. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.